Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Okay, well, it looks like my internet has actually gone down here on the Seth and Show Sports Radio Show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Sean Palmer, Seth Kamen's on his way shortly, hopefully. But we would like to play a little bit of this, if something plays. Now, this is very depressing. Nothing seems to want to work today. Nothing. We'll get this squared away shortly. All right, let's see if this works. Go to studio. Oh, there we go. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Second consecutive year, the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show's Fantasy League has come to an end. And ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't our best team. It wasn't even a good team. It was just our team. And we made it (laughs) to the playoffs this year. And as Seth texted me yesterday, the dynasty had at some point has to come to an end. Seth, I'm not really sure where it an end. We made the playoffs. Now, granted, we didn't make the finals as we have in the last five years, but I'd like to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back for this year, justifiably so, in the fact that we were missing, I don't know, our number one player didn't play a game all year. Our number three player only played three games all year. And our number two quarterback, played only seven games all year, and we still made the playoffs behind Tyler Lockett, 
<laughs> yeah, if you told me before the year. Uh, good, good evening, everybody. You told me before the year that Tyler Lockett and James Conner would be our keys to going nine and three. Probably would have sold you a bridge. Uh, but the reality was we were not a great team this year, and we got, you know, but even with not a great team, we went nine and three with no second and quarterback. And the irony, irony, Seth, is we would have actually beaten the Dixieland Swingers this year, this week. Would we really? Yeah, it, it would have been close, but I think we would have won. But, yeah, the irony was the team that knocked us out of the bye and made the playoffs, and good for them because they had injury upon injury upon injury. Um, we would have beaten them this week. But, you know what, that's the way that the Fantasy League, uh, I guess, wheelhouse crumble, uh, cookie crumbles every once in a while is the fact that it's matchup upon matchup. And I could say the same thing for my other league. I went 0 for 2. Once again, for the 22nd straight year, I will not win the Kappa Kappa Psi Fantasy Football League. Wow. 22 years I haven't won the damn thing. I've been in the Super Bowl nine times. Nine. You would think at one point my luck would, would help. But again, in what can be deemed a rookie mistake. I will lay this completely on myself because there's nobody else to blame. A rookie mistake. On Tuesday of last week, somebody decided to drop Lamar Jackson in my other league. Now, to be fair, my quarterback was Alex Smith, who was broken this year. I mean, I don't know how many different places he was broken. And then he had an infection, so he certainly wasn't coming back. So I'm like, yes, Lamar Jackson against Kansas City. I'm in. This makes sense. He's going to be my quarterback for this week. Until Thursday night when I forgot, and at 9 o'clock I remembered that the guy that's in my – oh, by the way, Lamar Jackson wasn't coming off waivers till Friday. So I had to wait till Friday to pick him up, but I was number one on the waiver wire. And Thursday night at 9 o'clock, I realized the guy that's in my quarterback spot is Marcus Mariota. Womp womp. Who happens to be playing on Thursday night. So, yeah. And then I lose by 12, and Lamar Jackson puts up 14 more than Marcus Mariota. Yep, rookie mistake. Absolutely rookie mistake. So how did – yeah, exactly. Complete rookie mistake, not even just leaving the quarterback slot open. I kept Marriott in there, and I suffered, I suffered the defeat. So you had, for some reason, Seth actually has more teams in fantasy football this year than I do with me and my two and him with his six. How did uh, your other five make out? <laughs> so... No, I have four fantasy teams. Three have made the playoffs. One may have been the single worst starting team I've ever seen on a fantasy football playoff team. So I'm going to read you this team right now, which not surprisingly got whipped this week. Um, although the team I played against certainly wasn't great either. But uh, Matt Ryan, which is not bad. Keenan Allen, who was fine. Jarvis Landry, who had his first good game of the season. Jordy, if this was 2014, if this is 2014, my team is the greatest of all time. Um, Adrian Peterson, two points. 
LaShawn McCoy, point one, David David Njoku, Jalen Samuels, who gave me 13, Dustin Hopkins, who gave me zero in Houston defense. Now, why, per se, was this my starting team? Because my other players are Doug Baldwin, out. James Conner, out. Le'Veon Bell, out. So I didn't really have much left. I could have started Josh Adams, but that would have given me four points, and I didn't like him against Dallas. And I could have started Allen Robinson, who would have gotten me six. So, again, if you see a team with Peterson, McCoy, Nelson, and Ryan, or 2015, this is a title team. This year, I was just lucky to make the playoffs. But props to 5L for whooping me. And my other team, I have one other team left. And I'm winning, I think, by 30 uh, going into tonight. I'm winning by 22. So relatively comfortable. I have Lockett and Kyle Rudolph. He has Minnesota defense and Russell Wilson. Should win, but weirder things have happened. I've never, I don't think I've ever had a year in the last 10 where I haven't at least been one, had one league in the champion in a playoff, in a, in a, in a semifinal. So hopefully I can pull it off tonight. You know, the irony always has been that whenever I have good fantasy league teams, I have really, really bad pick'em teams because I'm in two pick'em pools too. And this year, of course, my fantasy teams are out in the first round of the playoffs and I am both, three games and four games behind the leaders in the Pick'em Leagues. So I got legitimate shot of making a lot of money in the Pick'em League, but I don't find it. Look, not only did my fantasy teams lose, but the Jets won. Like, it, it was just, I didn't watch. I watched a half hour of football yesterday. That's it. I wasn't feeling well. I was sacking out on the couch. I basically watched, I binged both Ray Donovan and Billions yesterday. Watched like eight episodes. So ridiculous amounts of TV, but no football. And every once in a while, I'd look on, the, I'd look on my computer or look on my phone and see, great, I got the Bills plus three. This won't be a problem because the Jets suck. And I watched the first half, and they looked even awful, the first half of the first half, so basically the first quarter. And then I fall asleep because, again, wasn't feeling well, woke up and saw that they won the damn game. Meanwhile, the Raiders win. Meanwhile, the Giants win. Meanwhile, all these teams that were below them in the, in the standings, that the Jets could have been the number two pick in the draft, had they lost yesterday, now they're the number six. You can't even lose well, guys. Man, it was, ugh, it's frustrating. But your Giants looked actually very, very good. Again, well, it's kind of a mediocre, mediocre Mark Sanchez. I'm pretty sure that's not mediocrity. <laughs> that's just bad. Um, yeah, it was ugly. Um, the Giants, amazing what happens when you have an offensive line that keeps you standing. And you have the best young running back in football. And for everyone who said the Giants should have gone quarterback, should have gone quarterback. And to be fair, Sean, I think I've been pretty consistent about this with Barkley. Because there wasn't a quarterback I liked enough where they should have gone there. 
know, I, I didn't. And you know, next year they'll be six and ten. This year they're five and eight now, six and ten, something like that. So we're not going to have a top four, top five pick. But you know what? There's no quarterback really. There's no number one quarterback there anyway at two or three. People trade up for it, but it's not a value pick. It's not value. We'll see what happens. Um, but at least they're playing like they do care, which is more than I can say for last year's abomination at this point. So we'll see how it plays out. But, yeah, uh, Barkley's been sensational, and they score 40 points without without uh, without ODB. You know, I don't think it means very much, but being the Redskins is always fun. Well, you knock the Redskins out of probably the playoffs. So if, you, if it means anything, it means that. The Redskins, first of all, well, I guess the day that they lost Colt McCoy, they were probably out of the playoffs. Yeah, they lost Alex yes, Smith. You're out of the playoffs. Yes, you heard me say that, Colt McCoy and playoffs in the same in the same breath. But there were a lot. Look, the Saints lost. The 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 Saints lost on Thursday Saints, night, but the Saints didn't lose. Oh, not about? the Saints. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The Steelers lost. Excuse me, Steelers lost. To, it, to an awful Raider team, an awful yeah. Raider team. But, again, this comes back to the same thing that you and I have been discussing all year in fantasy and has come true. Pittsburgh, and the, I believe that Pittsburgh, Seattle, and the Saints have the three biggest home field advantages in the NFL. I don't think if any of those teams are playing on the road, they're favorites. Maybe in a wild card, but certainly not in a, in a conference final. And those teams, I believe, if you played them at home, even the Saints on the road probably would not be a favorite. If you play them at home, I think they legitimately are probably the best team on the field in any of the games. And the, and the Steelers have been doing this for years. I mean, we've talked about how Big Ben – just does not perform on the road the way he does at home. And granted, he didn't have James Conner or Le'Veon Bell in this one, but he he had, look, Schuster had a great game. But other than that, and this is coming from a guy that just watched highlights, but I've read a, I've read a lot of it today in the fact that Ben is just not the same way. And he proved it again yesterday. 250 yards, which was below his average. Now, granted, his average is like 331 this year, but still below his average. <clears throat> yeah, and Pittsburgh falling apart, kind of seeming like, you know, lost to the Raiders at this time of the season is just incredibly unacceptable. You know, Tomlin's comment of he has to get – Big Ben has to get back in the flow of the game. He's a 15-year veteran. Either he's in the flow of the game or he's not. I mean, he, you should be able, he should be able to get in without much duress, without much encouragement. You know, you want to make the playoffs. New England is down. We'll get to New England a little bit later. Kansas City has been sensational, but their offense, as good as they are, are pretty banged up right now between Watkins, Hill, and obviously Hunt being on the unemployment line. It is a conference that can be taken somewhere along the lines. And Pittsburgh, even without Le'Veon Bell, talented enough on the offensive end. You know, obviously questions on the defensive end until Sean's man crush, Ryan Chazier, comes back if he ever does. You know, it's 
it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting run in the, in both conferences. Yeah, I mean, you could make the case that the Chargers are the best team in the NFL, right? best team in the AFC right now. You could make the case. I'm not saying it's true. I still think Kansas City is probably the best team in the AFC. But the Chargers are moving up. And they play, I believe, in San Diego against the Chiefs in the next couple of weeks. So they, play they could overtake them. Yep, they play Thursday night. In San Diego or in Arrowhead? I believe in Arrowhead, but I could be wrong. Okay, hold on. We're going to find that out. Week 15. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. They play in Arrowhead on week 15. Uh, week 17. I thought they might. Nope. I thought they may have had a rematch. Okay, so week 15 in Arrowhead, which could determine who wins this division because the Chargers certainly have been playing the best ball out of anybody in the last couple of weeks. And let's get over to New England who, wow, I've never seen Bill Belichick. There there was a good article about the formation of the Wildcat on the Athletic, I think it was the Athletic, it may have been ESPN, Uh, the origination of the the Wildcat formation. If you'd like to call in 760-283-0846, we'll get to the Hall of Fame towards the bottom of the hour, and boy do we have some comments about that coming at least from my mouth. The fact is how Bill Belichick got utterly outcoached when the formation of when the origination of the uh, Wildcat came up in that first game. If you remember that a couple of years back with Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams. Well, what was Rob Gronkowski doing on the field for the last play of this game? Let's be fair. It was a hell. They they thought it was going to be a hell mary. That's what he was doing. He was at the 25-yard line. How many people could throw that ball into the end zone? Ryan Tannehill can't. How many people could legitimately throw that ball into the end zone in the NFL? Mahomes? Not too many. Roethlisberger? I mean, maybe five? Stafford, Flacco, maybe Mahomes. Um, Five? Five? Yeah, give or take. Give Five guys. Is Ryan, Tannehill, is Ryan Tannehill one of those guys? No. Okay. So, I don't care what Hail Mary you're throwing. It's not getting into the end zone, right? Because he's throwing it from about the 25-yard line, maybe 30-yard line. I don't remember exactly the yardage. But it's, it's a 65- to 70-yard toss. Why yeah. is this guy on the field? I'm trying to come up with a reason. I don't really have a great one. Okay, so so what I've read today is that Gronkowski is on the field for the last play, given that it is a a Hail Mary. And in the event that it is not a Hail Mary, he is to be subbed out for the safety, which in this case would have been one of the McCourtney's. I'm not sure if it was Devin or Jason at that point. Jason McCourney. So anybody could see that he is not a tackler. I mean, he's a tight end. And that play was right. so much fun to watch. And it probably was more fun to watch because it was against New England. Of course Because they seemed to pull – well, because they seemed to pull it out whenever they want to. 
and it was nice to see somebody do it to them. And it puts New England back into possible, well, not wild card situation. Yeah, wild card situation, excuse me, playing on that first weekend without a bye. And perhaps playing San Diego. Whoa. No. That, that would be perhaps. Playing Baltimore, which is almost worse. Which is almost Do you think New England wants to be anywhere near Baltimore? No, not with Lamar Jackson. And not with the fact that they can't ever beat Baltimore for whatever reason. But, yeah, I I mean, so you have New England and Baltimore in week one and San Diego playing the winner of the South. Well, the buys would be – the buys would be right now the Texans and the Chiefs. So the second wild card would come out of where? Pittsburgh. Well, you're looking at New. Right now, you're looking. Uh, second wild card is, is Baltimore. Oh, sorry. Second So first wild card is San Diego. Diego. So it's San Diego, Pittsburgh, and New England, and Baltimore. Something I gotta like say, that, for yeah. a guy that's a guy that's not interested in the next three weeks of football, which is me. Because it seems like when I don't watch games, I pick them a lot better. Uh, I'm now, if those are wild card games, that's a very interesting wild card weekend. But this all depends on if Texas continues to win. Sorry, if Houston Houston continues to win. Understood. Because they have the easiest schedule going forward. And right now they're in the driver's seat for the second bye which I definitely didn't think was possible after they've lost their first three games. And then the Nash, sure. and then the, and then the NFC, and I'm spitballing off the top of my head here. Dallas is in the front runner for the East. Nobody else is getting a, a wild card from that side. Uh, Central, uh, Chicago's got to be in the, in the top, top bracket. Nobody's getting a wild card there either. The West. Uh, Minnesota. Minnesota's still got a shot okay. if they win tonight. So Seattle and the Rams, and then who's the second wild card here? Oh, I'm missing New, New Orleans. Sorry. New Orleans is New, yeah, New Orleans is. I right. think, so the I don't second think wild card. Wrong, man. I think, second wild, sorry, go ahead. The second, look at the, you're, you're top heavy in the NFC. Right. You have the Cowboys who are playing very well right now. You have yes. New Orleans, the Rams, and Chicago. I don't think Chicago can okay. go to L.A. or New Orleans and win. I think when you're looking at the wild cards, you're looking, what are you looking at realistically? Probably nobody in the NFC East. The NFC South has completely right. fallen apart. So, yep. I mean, it's really kind of open. It's really open. Well, you got one – I mean, you got the Seahawks, right? In one spot. Do you? I mean, they're playing okay. They're playing well, but thats I don't think that's a, a particularly scary team to make, to make the wild card. And number two, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm looking... Where are we on, uh, hold on, standings. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. I'm a little behind today. Uh, 
was wrapped up doing some other things before this. Right now, the playoff picture in the national in the NFC is New Orleans and the Rams at one and two, Chicago and Dallas in, and the two wild cards are Seattle and Minnesota. And as Seth said, you have Seattle at seven and five, you have Minnesota at six five and one. Those are the two wild cards. But behind them is Carolina, Philadelphia, and Washington, all at six and seven. All very much. If Seattle wins tonight, Minnesota will have a half a game lead on the wild card. Seattle will put some put some space between them. They'll have a two game lead on the wild card if they win tonight. If Seattle wins two games with three games to go, I'd probably put them in at least for the one of the wild card situations, but not a home game. And what they need what Seattle needs is a home game. It's probably not gonna happen given the fact that they are well, they can't catch up to the Rams. At all. Yep. So, that's your playoff picture. Do you have interest in watching the Giants for the next three games more than the fact that, all right, they're the Giants and they're your team? But no, not are you really. making plans to, to watch them? No. No. Are I you mean, making plans to watch any NFL over the next three weeks? Of course I am. My kid, my kid oh, loves I'll, it. And, okay. I, heck, I need I need excuses because otherwise, what would I be doing on Sundays? What am I going to go? For? What else am I going to do? It's 20 degrees out. Do I really want to go to the Liberty Science Center for the 13th time? Well, you could always come to the Museum of Natural History right around the corner from me. Fair enough. I could. <laughs> I'm just giving you another option here. Okay. What? Let's. Let's talk about what happened last night for a second, and it will be a lot longer than a second. So last night, after I went to bed, there was an announcement made by the Which is like, what, 8.30? 9 o'clock, yeah, like yeah, you're I a 9-year-old? I went to bed early. I told you I wasn't feeling well. I went to bed at 9.30 last night, so I didn't get to see this until I woke up this morning. And there were very few times. Look, Seth has we, – we've discussed this many times on the show. Seth has a very small uh, idea of what a Hall of Fame should be. It is the very great, the inner circle, the Willie Mazes, the Babe Ruths, in football, the Jim Browns, in hockey, the Wayne Gretzky's and Bobby Orr's, and in basketball, the Michael Jordans, the Michael Jordans, the David Robinsons, the Tim Duncans, those guys. And I'm not sure David Robinson's in that upper echelon, but let's put him there for now. I have a little bit bigger of a view. I think you don't have to be the top 15 players of all time or top 20 players of all time. I think you can, you can, you can, be, you can be a Hall of Fame as long as you are a dominant player in the time period in which you played and with some form of longevity. And I know we've discussed this in football, that longevity in football means a lot less of timing amount of years than it would say in basketball or in baseball because Terrell Davis had what, four years? And I'm not even sure Terrell Davis deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. That's another story. And we'll get to that in a second. Last night, the announcement was made that two players who Seth and I both grew up watching, both knew who they were. They were were players. They They made the Hall of Fame. Well, they did. 
They made the All-Star games a couple of times. One made it six times, one made it three times. If you're making the Hall of Fame three times, you're not a Hall of Fame. If you're making the All-Star game three times, you're not a Hall of Fame. I mean, the All-Star game's a show, a, a game for show, but it's a game for show where people like Seth and myself and you fine folks vote these guys in or they get elected by their peers. So last night, Harold Baines gets elected in, gets voted in, with 12 out of 16 votes in the Veterans Committee. And Lee Smith supposedly gets unanimous 16 out of 16. Seth, what was your thought when you heard this? And and I'm still (laughs) shaking my head. I... I, actually, my first thought was to reach out to you and to make to confirm that this was as stupid as I thought it was. Um, okay, but it was confirmed. not past your time. Um, confirmed. You don't. You don't. You knew the answer to that. Look, I questioned a lot of. I question Hall of Fame, and I do. I have a higher threshold for the Hall of Fame than, than Mark than Mark than Sean does. Um. But. Anyone who's got in, for all intents and purposes, I've understood arguments. I haven't always agreed with them. I've thought sometimes they were on the border of ludicrous. But for the most part, I've always understood where where other people are coming from. For the first time that I can remember, I have absolutely no conception of where this came from. Are you going to tell me that the the first DH, to, the first primary DH to ever make the Hall of Fame is someone who gets in, not Edgar Martinez, not David Ortiz. When you think of the the fifth, the thirty best players, the forty best players of the eighties, is Harold Baines going to be there? Maybe. The top 50 of the decade, maybe. Um, nice player. You know, solid. Anyone would like to have him on your team, good, solid player. But the idea that someone, that he would jump, that he would get in a Fred McGriff, or, I mean, forgetting the Bonds, Clemens, that's a different discussion. But a Fred McGriff or a Scott Rowland or a... I mean, my goodness. What the well, Seth, hell me, were you thinking? Well, Seth, let me, let, me, let, me, let me talk about that for a second. First of all, Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff are still on the, on the BBWA ballot, right? Baseball right. Writers Association. Nowhere ballot. near okay. getting. Okay. Nowhere near so, getting. Well, right, but neither were Baines and Smith. I mean, that's basically what we're coming down to. So, so there are two different electorates, ladies and gentlemen. If you'd like to call in, again, 760-283-0846. We'll be talking about this for about 15 minutes, and then a hodgepodge, a smorgasbord of, of other things to come. So what happens is for 15 – well, it used to be for 15 years. Now it's for 10 years. You are on the Baseball Writers Association back. So what that means is if you get more than 5% – of the vote in any year, you continue on the Baseball Writers Association ballot. 
Okay. So players like Jack Morris last year, Burt Blylevin the year before, this year it's Edgar Martinez and Scott Rowland and Larry Walker, all guys that you remember playing in the 90s are now on that Baseball Writers Association ballot. What happens after that, if they either don't get 5% or they've maxed out their 10 years, they are then put into what used to be the Veterans Committee Veterans and is Committee. now, right. I don't know what they're actually called. Um, you, it's the Today's Game Committee of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Wow, Veterans Committee sounded a whole lot easier. And what yeah. generally ha- what happens is there are 16 people on that committee for various different decades and various different, I think they're 20-year periods, various different 20-year periods, and those different periods rotate. So this year happened to be the 80s. The, the late 70s and or late 70s to late 80s or something like that. Early 70s to late 80s. Guys like Albert Bell, Joe Carter, Will Clark, Oral Hershiser, Davey Johnson, George Steinbrenner, Lou right. Pinelli. And the Today's Game Committee consisted of 16 voters. Let me read who they are. Roberto Alomar, Burt Blylevin, Pat Gillick, Tony LaRusso, Greg Maddox, Joe Morgan, John Sherholtz, Ozzie Smith, Joe Torrey, Al Avia, Paul Beeston, Andy, Andy McPhail, Jerry Reinstorf, and three, committee, three media members, Claire Smith, Tim Kirkjian, who, are both, who have both won the Sphinx Award, and Steve Hurt. Now, those committee members are knowledgeable in baseball. I think you've heard of most of them. What gets me is in the 50s and 60s when guys like Phil Rizzuto, well, in the 80s, when, when guys like Phil Rizzuto were put in, there was talk of cronyism and the fact that the ballot, the, the committee was stocked with friends of the people, and thus they got in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's see here. Ah, Roberto Alomar, teammate of Harold Baines. Pat Gillick, GM of Harold Baines. Tony LaRusso. Manager of Harold Baines, Jerry Reinsdorf, owner of the team that Harold Baines played with and who retired his number before he retired from the game. That's four out of 16. Was there any doubt this guy was making it with that type of committee? The only guy gets 12, and he got 12. I just, I, I, I have a, look, let, let's, we always like to talk stats, right? So baseball is one of those stats things, stats games. Not as much as football, not as much, uh, sorry, more than football, more than basketball, more than hockey. It's all about the stats. Okay, 22 years Harold Baines played. 22 years, that's more than half my life. 2,800 hits. All right, that's, that's a substantial amount of hits. He had an OPS plus of 108, very consistent, every year between the ages of 22 and 40. He almost never got hurt. Congratulations. He played in the All-Star game six times, six out of 22 seasons. And as Seth said, he's a DH. 
he did. Uh, Seth, you you wanted to know my feelings on this last night. He led the league in exactly one offensive category in his career. One. In 22 years, you want to guess what that was? Hits by pitch. It was slugging percentage in 1984. You want to guess the highest finish he had in an MVP balloting? I'm going to say sixth. Ninth. Mm. In 1985. Ninth. 1,600 of his 2,800 games came as a DH. He was on the BBWAA ballot. This is the one that we were talking about. Ten year, he, he got 15 because it was an earlier, earlier uh, election, electorate. He was on the ballot five times and never received more than 6.1%. Those are the guys that play. Those are the reporters that covered him. Seth, I don't understand this one. And when I heard it this morning, like you, I thought this was a joke. He thought it was a joke. Hal Baines couldn't believe it when he got called. He said, what? Did he? I'm, I'm asking. I, yes. I don't... That's what he said. He couldn't believe it. All right. The one thing I thought of this morning when, when I heard he got elected was, is there a way to recount the votes? No <laughs> joke. Because as much as we made a mock, and we being me, and Seth, look, Seth, Seth didn't want Jack Morris in the Hall of Fame. Because Jack Morris isn't where Seth's Hall of Fame resides, on a pedestal with golden blankets. I'm more in the platinum category. And he doesn't get into my Hall of Fame either based on one game. And that's all it was. Harold Baines, Harold Baines doesn't deserve to be in the Bronze Hall of Fame. He's not even in the Hall of Very Good, Seth. He's in the Hall of Good. I yep. want to hear any single person, any person, tell me that a guy that plays 18 years and plays good baseball for 18 years going forward does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Because if it's a comparison state, any person that plays good baseball for 18 years or plays great baseball for 15 or 10 is better than Harold Baines. Okay, so let's go to the second guy. I could stomach the second guy a little bit better. Could you? Could you stomach yeah, Lee Smith? Um, I don't see it, but, yeah, I, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's an eh. Like, I mean, he was the best at what he did. And for or one of the best of what he did for a significant period of time, but because of the position that he played, you can, the, the, the the leeway is not as large. Agreed. So if you have if you're going to be a reliever that makes it, it's not just being okay. You have to be very, you have to be great. You you should be Hoyt Wilhelm, Dennis Eckersley. Um, Mariano. You know, Trevor Hoffman is, I think, the lowest tier to me of reliever that that was worthy. And if I remember correctly, I don't think, were you not a huge fan of Hoffman making it? No. 
Well, I, I was let, let's understand. Eckersley was a starter and a reliever. He's a different yes, he ball was, game, but he got right? in the, Hoyt, Hoyt Wilhelm's Hoyt Wilhelm in the 1950s. Well, He's that's a completely different ballgame. Right, I but agree. that's what I'm saying. He's a completely different ballgame. Okay, so the guys that we're talking about in the same ballgame are really Raleigh Fingers, Bruce Suter, and Goose Gossage. Right? Those are, yeah. those are the contemporaries of Lee Smith. Because yes, Eckersley, are. again, Eckersley and Smoltz are in different games. They're okay, half well, starters, wait. half hey, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Smoltz would have gotten in as a starter or a was a borderline getting it in as a starter. Would have got the reliever just added to it. Eckersley would not have come okay. close to smelling the Hall of Fame as a starter. Okay. He fair. only got in because of the reliever part. That's well, why I think Eckersley I can Eckersley put- was Eckersley was twice as dominant as John Smoltz as a reliever. I wouldn't go that far. Okay. I'm going to throw some numbers out of you, and we're not going to argue this too much longer. Eckersley had four walks in a year and a .61 ERA and won an MVP. Did he win an MVP? I don't remember that. Yes. Yes, he won an MVP. He and Willie Uh, Hernandez won MVPs. And granted, Willie Hernandez is not in this. So so the point being to me, okay, so – so the contemporaries of Lee Smith, let's take out Eckersley, let's throw out Smoltz, right? Not in the same game. Hoyt Wilhelm, nowhere close to the same game. Hoffman in a different age. And, Hoyt, and uh, Mariano is just the greatest of all time. And also a contemporary of, of Hoffman, not a contemporary of Lee Smith, right? Lee Smith, different, different age. Okay, so Great. you got Goose Gossage, you got Raleigh Fingers, you got Bruce Suter. Where does Lee Smith wind up in there? Well, Bruce Suter won a Cy Young. Raleigh yep. Fingers won a Cy Young. Goose Gossage did not win a Cy Young. Raleigh Fingers had a losing record. It is very difficult to judge those relievers. And the reasoning is, those relievers back then were throwing two and three innings apiece. Yes, they were. Until Eckersley, they all did. So you have Lee Smith, who, who basically straddled it, right? In his earlier, in, in the early in his career, he did the two to three inning thing. And then late mm-hmm. in his career, he became, he became the, one, the one guy, right? The, the guy that only did one inning. So let's talk a little bit about Lee Smith. 478 saves upon his 1998 retirement. First of all, he pitched till 1998, which I think that's a lot longer than I remember him pitching. But, all right, 478 saves. He's the best at what he was supposed to do, right? Most saves. Granted, that has been dwarfed by both Hoffman and by Mariano. But, again, different game. He led the league in saves four times and led the league in games three times. Okay, leading the league in games as a reliever is a lot harder today than it was, uh, sorry, back then than it was today. You pitched a lot more. He had six seasons in which he averaged more than 10 strikeouts per nine innings. All right, in in a day today where Adam Dunn's 189 strikeouts 
would not even be in the top 10. Just think about that. Not even in the top 10. Guys in the 1980s, like Wade Boggs, prided themselves on not getting 100 strikeouts. Now that's just fait accompli for almost everybody. So to average 10 strikeouts per game, per nine innings, is a much bigger accomplishment back then than it is today. The other thing that goes for Lee Smith, and I'm not saying he's, he's a Hall of Famer, but when he was on the ballot, he got 50% of the vote. So 50, you need 75, but he got right. 50% of, of the sports writers who, who voted at the time for him voted for him. I mean, not to say he's a Hall of Famer, but, man, it is. Uh, last year it was Detroit with Alan Trammell and, and uh, Jack Morris. And this year, it's a Chicago event with Lee Smith and Harold Baines. Next year, it'll be Cleveland. You just watch. Pick out the worst two Cleveland players you could possibly think of, and they're making the Hall of Fame next year. So I think it's Albert Bell and Candy Maldonado. <laughs> <laughs> or John the Count Montefusco. I love those names. Those, those names in the 80s are so awesome. Candy Maldonado, maybe the best baseball name. It's like Uwe Blob in in, in basketball. Well, Wait, for the Dallas Uwe Mavericks? Blob, no. Yeah. No, he played with the Nuggets. Did he play with the Mavericks no, too? Dallas Mavericks. Yep. He played for both. Okay, so let's go. Let's talk some other sports and Hall of Famers. And you tell me, I'm going to pick on the NFL today. And you okay. tell me if these guys really deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Or are they no. riding the coattails of something? No? Okay. Now, I the think probably no? my, answer be, my answer is probably going to be no for most of them. So go. Troy, Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman's a Hall of Famer. Why? Why is Troy Aikman a Hall of Famer? Because he was the – considering – because he was one of the three or four best quarterbacks in football – during a time where he won three out of four championships. Three out of four? Yeah, three out of four. He was one of the three best players on on that team. Now, I mean, to me, was was he the mo- was he the most overrated or was Emmett the most overrated? Emmett was the most overrated. But you couldn't you can't take away the Hall of Fame from Emmett. Irvin was the most talented. Aikman, look, whether he was the best game manager of all time or was more than that. He was still a very, very, very good quarterback who won three three Super Bowls. And people are even going to make okay. a remote debate about Eli with two, Troy with three is not going to is not going to fly. Look, I I, I just asking here. All right, and the next one's going to next one's going to get you, John Elway. Yes. You say that with some hesitancy, which is is actually more – okay, so John Elway – I did some research today. So John Elway's – you know how we have a quarterback rating, right? John Elway's Mm -hmm. quarterback rating was 105 for his career, okay? Okay. The average during that time was 100. 
Okay. Does that does that surprise you? No. Because so he was in that he was just slightly that, above average quarterback. He was revolutionary in regards to how he ran the ball. He single-handedly took a very mediocre Denver team in the late 80s to three Super Bowls. Now, to be fair, they got whipped in all three of them. But he did get them there. Do I put him in the Montana, Brady, Otto Graham? No. But he's a Hall of Famer. Okay. Lynn Swan. No. Okay, let's Lynn. go to the other one, John, John Stallworth. Probably not. To me, the you know, the, talk about teams that were beneficiaries of the greatest defense of all time. They had an all, they had a Hall of Fame running back, a Hall of Fame offensive line. And, and now, to be fair, it was an era where wideouts were not particularly utilized like they are now. But I, you know, their their statistics were pretty lacking, no matter what, no matter what era. Okay. O.J. Simpson. Not a Jew. Uh, I was going to say that, too. Happy Hanukkah. Well, past Hanukkah, but O.J. Simpson. Yeah, O.J. Simpson was a Hall of Famer. So O.J. Simpson had a five-year prime between 1972 and 1976. Okay. Outside of that five-year prime, you think he had 1,000 yards? I would be surprised if he didn't, but I'm assuming he didn't because well, you asked. He had 742 as his highest. So, yes, That's he weird. Had, he. Sorry, go ahead. That's weird because he was second all time behind Jim Brown for a long time. Yeah, so well, for five years, for five years, he averaged almost 1,600 yards. That's 9,000 yards right there. 8,000 8, yards. Excuse me, 8,000 yards. That's why I'm a lawyer. Okay, so let's, let's go on to another sport. Dennis Rodman. I feel like we've had shows about this. Um, how many times did Rodman win Defensive Player of the Year? Let's say one of three. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think so. He did one thing amazingly well, but that he was such it's hard because he won what five, he won five titles. So yeah, you know what he is because. I can't call him a team cancer if his team's won five titles. I mean, he ruined San Antonio for a little while. But it's – he's tough for me because he was the best rebounder per, 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 per inch outside of, you know, probably in the history of the NBA. A four or five times, you know, 
ten-time all-defensive player, five-time world champion, but he was such a goddamn head case, you know, and he did everything else so badly or so lack lackluster, lackadaisical. It's a real. He's a tough call for me. Okay, we'll give you two more. Ralph Sampson. Okay. No. Because he did so little of the NBA. By the way, all these players that, ladies and gentlemen, that I am referring to right now are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they're all Every first, single yeah. one. They're all in there. I, I just want to make sure everybody is well aware that they are in the Hall of Fame. Okay, so a couple more. Bill Walton. Is he different because he yeah. won an MVP with Portland? Yes, for, because Bill Walton was one of the three greatest college basketball players of all time. Was won an MVP in Portland, and then came back after about six years of injuries to be the best to be a great sixth man in Boston. That combined it has is nothing. Me. It has nothing to do with the fact that I believe he was your father's favorite player. Okay, just making sure. Okay, and last one, Chris Mullen. Because to me, Chris Mullen is a little bit better of a Reggie Miller, right? That's who he was. Mullen and Reggie Miller, to me, are not Hall of Famers. We've talked about this. Okay. Well, we haven't talked about Mullen. We've We've talked about Reggie. We have not talked about Mullen. Now, the thing with Mullen is, which may – Mullen is tougher because Mullen was an All-American, although Reggie Miller may have been also, I don't remember. But Mullen led his team to the Final Four where they lost to that great Georgetown team. But at the end of the day, all Mullen did was shoot – Mullen scored and did nothing else. Yep. He was a great shooter. He was a great shooter. He was a good leader. But all he did was shoot threes. That was it. You know, his biggest claim to fame was being on the, on, on the uh, what do you call it, team? On the, the, dream, the original dream team. You mean the 14th man on the dream team and the only one behind him was Christian Leitner? There was only 12 on the dream team. Oh, well, then he was the 11th man on the dream team. And the only one behind him was Christian Leitner. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, I did not give any hockey to Seth, because quite frankly, I didn't think he'd he'd know who the people were. Um, I'm giving you the finger over. I'm giving you the finger over the phone on that. That's fine, but to be fair, if I gave you Igor Larionov, you'd know he was, but you wouldn't know much about him. Correct. Played for the Russian team, and then was one of the first people to come over. Played for Detroit for probably ten, twelve years. Yes, yeah, so you have no idea on whether he should be a Hall of Famer or not. No. <laughs> you know who he is. You, you know who yeah. he is. That's, I was trying to save you some embarrassment, not give it to you. Okay, so we got five minutes left. I will, be, I will go first. And, and Seth alluded to this earlier. You know, there are some players – I was going to – before last night's announcement, I was going to have a show asking Seth who his favorite players to watch were, would, were 
growing up. And who his favorite players to watch are today. And maybe we'll do that in the next segment. But one of my favorite players to watch, at least in college, and certainly as he made his way onto the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show's fantasy team over the last four to five years, has been my man crush, Ryan Shazier. And look, he is exactly what every team needs. He's, he's exactly what Pittsburgh is missing on defense. A guy that goes from sideline to sideline and plays with reckless abandon. And because of that, and because of the way that he played, last year he sustained a spinal cord injury and was helped off the field and was basically paralyzed. And for anybody that follows the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Facebook page, you saw me post uh, a video this week of Ryan Shazier lifting weights, lifting, doing deadlifts, doing clean and jerks. Seth, chills down my spine. My spine, but I'm sure down most people's. That this guy who last year couldn't walk off the field and at this year's draft could only walk with a cane and stumbling with a cane was able to lift weights unassisted, that is, that is perseverance bar none. And it was so good to watch him do that. Now, do I ever expect him to play in the NFL again? No. I think it's crazy. I think it's crazy to even think about it. Look, Seth and I have said that it's crazy to play in the NFL. Because somebody's going, we believe somebody's going to get seriously hurt and die in the NFL. He came as close as I've seen him and Mike Utley. He got up. He did weights. Well done, Ryan Shazier. Seth, you got about 90 seconds. Go. Quick thing, quick shout-out to Kyler Murray. Uh, winning probably one of the closest Heismans of our time, beating Tua, beating Tua, beating Dwayne Haskins. A rare year where all three of them although Haskins didn't get as much love, uh, which as a Maryland fan, since he, de- de- he left Maryland to go to Ohio State, I could care less about, to be honest, unless he becomes the quarterback for the Giants next year. But it's going to be really – it's interesting because he, he's already signed his contract with the A's for $5 million signing bonus. His stats are better than Baker Mayfield's. His athleticism is better than Baker Mayfield's. Now, he's a little bit smaller. He's like 5'10", 5'9". But when you see the signing bonus he got from Oakland is $5 million, and you see what all the first-round picks signing bonuses are for the quarterbacks, you know, Baker at 32, Darnold at 20, all these guaranteed money. You know, Lamar Jackson was at $8 million. It does make you wonder. Um, you know, and I do wonder if in two years, if, if Murray's, you know, struggling in double-A, are, are, are we going to see are we gonna see him reach out to a team Needing a quarterback, probably probably my Giants, but just to see where to see where he plays out. But class act, worthy champ, worthy Heisman winner, and it should be fun watching them play against Alabama's defense in a few weeks. Sounds great. So okay, for Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer. We'll talk more about the bowl games next week. Have a great week, everybody. Uh, congratulations to Barry and Caitlin. See you guys. <laughs>